everybody. Welcome back to The Fin Factor. I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. This is episode number 180. And Aaron, I know that there's a topic that everyone can't wait to get to, but I just have... We just stunk. I promise <laughs> that we will get to it. Patience will pay off, everybody. Uh, Peter St. Johnson's evening, fellas uh, and ladies. There are no ladies here, but uh, yes, anybody happens to be listening or chat- typing in chat, uh, hello to you as well. Um, Aaron... Well, you want to just jump in maybe with the, the games that had happened this week? Because um, I think that's where maybe it's a good time to start. We're going to be going through some of these games and then uh, we'll, we'll go through kind of some of the exit interviews. Because, of course, this is the end of the season for the Sharks. There are no playoffs, unfortunately. Um, actually, uh, real quick, uh, someone who was fighting here was uh, Will um, uh, Scott K saying, Will Dallas fight for Pavs? the way SJ did nasty hit. You know what? Um, why don't we start off with that? Get some people some time to get into the room real quick here. Um, what did you think about that hit on Pavelski? Um, obviously, you saw it. Um, just tell me what you thought. Well, we're talking about right now, Minnesota is playing Dallas, and uh, Joe Pavelski playing for Dallas got hit by Matt Dumba. And um, when I first looked at it, it looked pretty dirty. Plus, Dumba kind of has a history of, borderline hits so um i immediately thought it was pretty dirty pavelski hit his head on the ice and kind of knocked him out so it was very reminiscent of when he was on the sharks and uh you know the whole five minute power play that uh that they got so they originally called it a five minute major and then they went to the review which is the pavelski rule where they can review five minute majors and they called it back and called it two minutes so um yeah, so that's that's uh, unfortunate, but I think yes, they absolutely should. And I was just telling Paul, I was like, man, I it's this is now this series is probably going to get dirty. I bet Dallas is going to go after Kaprizov because if if they're going to go after some of the you know the stars star players, then that's what uh, pretty much the practically the only star player on Minnesota is Kaprizov. And if they take him out, I think Minnesota will be done. So, um. Watch for that series to get kind of dirty, I guess. And there's Lundy. Lundy, I haven't seen you in a while. Thanks for the dollar ninety nine. Says go go Dallas. You rooting for Dallas, Paul? Uh, I I don't I don't know who I'm rooting for to be honest with you. I kind of feel like Dallas is the right play there. I think Bernsey's probably got a little bit more time than Pavs does, but um, yeah, maybe maybe Dallas is the right uh, the right call here. So I think maybe we're uh, we're we're probably with you here, Lundy. It seems like maybe a couple other people were going to be. Uh, rooting for Dallas too. I thought I saw a comment in here. Somebody saying that they were going to be uh, rooting for Dallas. Maybe not. No, Kellen's watching things. the game right now, so he's not watching us. Oh, Kellen's watching. Okay, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Uh, other comments we got going on here. Grandizer12 says, what up, Paul, Aaron, and Sir Bruce Jason? What's going on, you rascals? Oh, we're just talking hockey. You know how we do it. Uh, Nick does not want to be reminded of the games the Sharks played most recently because he was there. He was actually oh, there right. in Calgary and in Edmonton. He sent me photo evidence. Uh, that he was there, although he also sent me, um, it was on the Jumbotron, it said, welcome Fin Factor. And I was like, no way you did that. And he's, uh, he's no, I didn't. I photoshopped it. <laughs> I was like, that's rude. It's rude, Nick. Just me. Got my hopes up. Um, and Patrick Cabal jumping straight to it. Yeah. <laughs> so Scott says, Paul with the immediate response. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah, I know. The immediate response of, hey, we're getting to it. And Patrick Cabral knows exactly what we're talking about. says, no, give us the jerseys. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll be talking about it. We'll be talking about it, I'm sure. Okay. Um, SPJ figured that was Photoshop. Yes, yes, well done, SPJ. Of course, we have our, uh, our our resident Ottawa fan here, two wheels down. Oilers will get the cup this year. My son's fan's opinion. I don't think so. I don't think Edmonton's winning. Uh, 
Why? Because defense wins championships, and they probably have one of the worst defenses in the entire crop of playoff teams. So do I want them to win? I wouldn't mind seeing them win because it's a copycat league in the NHL. So people see what, you know, what won a cup that year. And if it's high scoring offense with dry Seidel and, and McDavid scoring over a hundred points, then that's I mean, not that hundred point players grow off of trees, but the formula and the system that creates that kind of offense, um, a lot more teams would follow that. So it would increase scoring, make games more exciting. We'd be back to the, 80s and early 90s hockey where it was nine to seven scores which would be just amazing um so yeah i wouldn't mind but i don't think it's gonna happen i don't think edmonton's gonna win um honestly i don't know man they've they've got they've got a lot of firepower it's hard to uh unless there's an injury and i hate saying that because last time i said that it happened but uh you know it's it's really hard to stop just those top two you know if you, you can get past those two guys and it's not that big of a deal if you can shut them down rather it's not that big of a deal but um, they're just pretty high powered, and I just don't know. I don't know if uh, if there's another team out there. I mean, the Boston Bruins, obviously, right? They're phenomenal, um, but I don't know. I think Edmonton's got a really good shot this year, and actually, no, a Canadian team finally winning it once uh, wouldn't be such a bad thing. I know you you kind of like the uh, to joke about it, but uh, it wouldn't. Be I bad. don't. I don't joke. I want Toronto's. <laughs> I want Toronto's. You know, thing to just keep going. So at least a hundred years. So there's there's an, an X Shark development that I was unaware of. I don't know if you knew this. Uh Lundy coming back with another dollar ninety nine super chat says Braun, no <laughs> kind of like a Darth Vader uh at the end there. Um so I, I thought maybe just because okay, they're not making playoffs or something, but uh Peter St. John says Bronner is retiring. What will Lundy do? This is know, news man. to me. Did, oh, you didn't know that? I did not know this. Oh, they it's cool. They announced it and they let uh Braun's dad sit behind the bench of the last game. Well, so I, I knew all that. I didn't realize that he was retiring. I just thought that yeah. was the, the last game, like end of a contract. What I didn't know he was done done. Done done. Wow. He's done ski. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh you want to read this two wheels down comment? Uh to the sharks, Alex Debrinkat. Uh, just popped up to the Senators, Eric Carlson in your second rounder. San Jose keeps 25% of Carlson's salary. No, I don't think we're keeping a whole lot of salary, bud. For Debrinkat, I, I mean, Debrinkat is, is a phenomenal offensive player, but not what the Sharks need right now. The Sharks aren't ready to compete, at least for another season or two. So if they've got Debrinkat, they'd be wasting. It would be like having Timo Meyer on their team again. Like, not not what they would need. So I don't think that would do it. Sure, would, would it help the Senators? Yeah. But then that would make Carlson basically a rental to the Sharks and and Ottawa fleece the Sharks for that rental. So, no, I don't think that would happen. Uh, let's move on to these games. I know Nick doesn't want to hear it, but the uh, Calgary game, we don't want to go too far into it. There's really only one thing to talk about here. Uh, Calgary, uh, it's a 3-1 loss, and then Edmonton was a 5-2 loss. But the Calgary game had uh, sort of an, an interesting little uh, cliff note to it, Aaron. Uh, yeah, sorry. The starting goalie, and I got to look up his name because I already forgot it. Um, he is a California native from Gilroy, California. So very, very close by to San Jose. Uh, Wolf, that's his name. It is uh, Dustin Wolf, 22 years old. Um, he was a seventh round pick in 2019. I'm actually kind of sharks s- surprised the Sharks did not draft him, you know, in the seventh round, like take a chance. Kind of, especially on, on the Gilroy seventh kid, round, seventh round local kid. That's freaking amazing. So, um, 
so yeah, he uh, he got his first career start and he won. They won three to one. So one goal against average, nine fifty eight save percentage. That's you know that's a pretty good start to his career. And supposedly he could possibly be the future of the Calgary Flames starting goaltending. But who knows? Twenty twenty two is very young for a goalie. They're probably just giving him a little taste, and then he's going to go back down next year. I don't think he'd be the starter next year. Fair enough. Uh, before we jump into some other things here, uh, Super Producer Jason, just remind everybody in the chat that this is our last show of the 2022-2023 season. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can do that in numerous ways. One is with the Super Chat function. Um, anything you put in your comment there, just like Lundy did, we'll go ahead and read it out uh, live on the show. Or if you do it after the fact, we can always insert it into the next show whenever that may be. Uh, you can also go hit us up on Venmo at uh, FinFactor. <laughs> Jesus. at fin factor on venmo and uh again same thing if you put your your comment in there we can go ahead and read it out live or i'm sorry at the fin factor my bad i just at fin factor is instagram isn't it oh you know i kind of lie it was you know a lot last you know month and it's harder than it looks folks <laughs> we just stunk at the fin factor if you'd like to tip us through venmo if you'd like to go ahead and support the show you can do that also by going to the finfactor.com and get any of the merchandise that's there stop it <laughs> get Someone... any of the merchandise that's there uh help supports the show super producer jason having a whole lot of fun the final stream of the uh of the season there Someone's um, gonna, okay uh, aaron i think we're gonna go gonna... ahead and jump into uh probably the highest of highlights uh for the entire season one man <laughs> Uh, one mission, alternate captain Eric Carlson, Super Producer Jason. You know what we do. We just stunk. <laughs> I still like that one the most. I think, uh, Aaron. Why don't you go ahead and run through some of these amazing, incredible stats? Uh, what a phenomenal year for Eric Carlson! All right. He played an entire 82 game season, which he hasn't done in a very long time. That is, yeah, I think obviously 100 points is amazing, but 82 games, playing full 82 games, that's been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years since he's done that. So amazing for Carlson doing it at 32 years old. 32, I think, yeah. 32. Um, Into those 82 games, he had 25 goals, 76 assists for 101 points. He ended the season with a minus 26. Um, probably 20 of those were empty net goals, I think. <laughs> like There was a lot. I think they might have led the league in empty net goals. Um, okay. I did not look that up, so don't quote me. 36 penalty minutes. He had five power play goals, 27 power play assists, four game winners, two overtime goals, and 209 shots, and a shot percentage of 12. His career average after this season is 6.9. So he doubled, almost doubled his career average there. Um, wow. So don't expect him to get 25 goals next year. There's going to be some regression, assuming he's even on the Sharks. But um, yeah, that's a fantastic season. And uh, he, there's a tweet here I'm going to put up here from the San Jose Sharks PR. Um, Eric Carlson finished the points with points on 43.35% of all of the Sharks goals this season. This is now the highest by a defenseman in the NHL's modern era since 1943-44 with Bobby Orr having recorded points on 43.32% of Boston goals during the 69-70 NHL season. Nobody 
has done it better. There you've had it. The absolute best defenseman in the league, well-deserving of his $11.5 million salary. Um, I have no qualms about it. So um, just an unbelievable, unbelievable season that I don't think anybody would have foreseen going into this season. People were hoping. I, I think I couldn't find the clip, but I think from what I remember, I was hoping for a 60 to 70 point season if he played 70 plus games. That's I'm pretty sure what something I said like that. I can't remember exactly, but um, so getting 100 points on 82 games is just un- unreal. 101 points. And I seem to remember having that stance that he was going to play finally over 70 games. And um, we'll, we'll get to some of the things that we had talked about, what we thought was going to happen in the season. I'm glad that that one came to fruition because um, not just that he was able to have the season that he had and generate the points that he was able to generate, but to show everybody that, yes, I'm healthy. I'm not a glass cannon, right? And I think for not just for everybody else, but for him specifically, that was very important to him to show everybody that um, he can stay healthy. Cause as you said, it had been seven seasons. I think you said uh, yeah. where he, he hadn't played the full 82. Um, and, and it's, it's marvelous to have so much talent and to be able to play the game at such a high level, higher than anybody else as he showed this year. But none of that means anything. If you're, if you're sitting off to the sidelines because you're always injured. So for him to show everybody that, you know, if if I'm all part of your team, let's say a future trade happens here, uh, if I'm a part of your team, I am capable of still playing the full 82, uh, even though I'm, you know, past my prime. I'm 32 years old. Next year, going to be 33. So uh, I think that was a, that was one of the most important things for Eric Carlson was to get past um, this this stigma that he's, you know, again, this glass cannon that he he breaks easily. And not only was he able to play all 82, but he was able to have a remarkable, incredible over a point per game season, um, almost an assist per game on top of the goals that he had, really. So uh, just an amazing season for him. Very happy for him. Um, we'll hear from uh, Coach uh, David Quinn in a little bit here, uh, kind of his thoughts on it. But why don't we exit out of the uh, alternate uh, Captain Eric Carlson segment, and then we'll jump into the exit interviews. Go ahead. Way anchor. <laughs> Way anchor. All right. So um, this is the uh, Eric Carlson exit interview. So we talked a little bit about Eric Carlson stats wise and whatnot. We got that stuff out of the way. Um, we have a clip here and it's Curtis Pashelka asking uh, about uh, staying with the Sharks versus maybe going over to like a, a win now team, a team that's that's ready to go, ready to win as the Sharks going to be rebuilding just a bit here uh f- during kind of the remainder of Eric Carlson's contract. So, uh why don't we go ahead and just play this clip for you guys and uh we'll go ahead and do that now. Yeah, I mean like I think I've been pretty pretty open about that since since all this started that you know, I do want to win. I do feel like uh I still have it in me to uh, to help a team uh achieve that and uh you know, at the same time I I do enjoy it here. I like it here. I always have and and um, you know we will see where it all lines up and and again like those are things that are kind of not in my hands uh but you know i'm never going to shy away from the fact that uh, you know i play this game to to win and that's that's always going to be be my number one priority and uh you know we'll see uh, we'll see where it goes but i know that uh, you know things here are are going in the right direction and and uh, you know i know that uh, you know the future is going to be really good here. Uh, when that is, like I said, we can't 
predict that unfortunately and and those are you know things that you know i don't really control and 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 can do very much about right now so aaron um tell me your thoughts on that one uh because again it seems like he's happy where he is uh he likes the area and everything else and and he's just kind of like one of those guys where i'm just going to go to work right but at the same time, he is talking specifically about, I want to win. So um, this can be taken either direction. What do you think about the response? What do you think uh, maybe if, if he's leaning one way or the other? I think uh, to me, after listening, and we're going to get into later what Greer said about the same issue. After listening to both of them, to me, it sounds like they're both very honest with each other, Greer and Carlson, and that it's not that Carlson wants to leave and it's not that Greer wants to trade him, but at the same time, if Carlson wants to go and again, he has a no movement clause, so he can dictate where, if he's going to get traded or not. Um, I think it's more along the lines of uh, if something pops up, if there's an opportunity and it's good for the sharks and Carlson's okay with doing it and going, then it's a go. And if it's not good for Carlson, then they'll kill it. And if it's not good for the team, they'll kill it unless Carlson really pushes for it. But um, it's really tough to move an $11.5 million contract, especially if the salary cap is not going to go up very much next year. Um, I haven't heard any news on that on that front, if it's going up by one or $4 million. So um I don't think, again, I don't think it, he wants to leave. He wants to win. He could also be waiting to see what ball drops at the lottery. Can you imagine if if they get the first overall pick and he gets traded or wants to get traded and then changes his mind because he wants to play with Connor Bedard? So um, I think he's just kind of waiting for things to fall in place, especially after free agency and see what other teams look like, see what the Sharks look like. Um see who wins the cup this year who looks to be a contender or need someone that is a 100 point right shot defenseman so um i i, I don't think it's yes or no either way i think it's just open open ended if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't and that's okay too yeah i think uh kind of we've alluded to in previous episodes where we said you know there's going to be a team that wishes they made a trade for this type of player because they're going to have an injury or that's going to be the one piece that they were missing. Or it, like I was saying with Reimer, I think there's going to be a team that uh, is maybe going to have an injury or something's going to happen. And they really wish they would have uh, traded and picked him up. And that would have been the difference. I really do believe that James Reimer is better than the stats show. Um, so I think for, for Eric Carlson um, it's, it's a, the main barrier obviously is, is the contract, right? The, the 11.5 million and still got term on it too. Let's not forget that. It's not like it's 11.5 million for one year and they can figure it out after that year is uh, said and done. But I do think that if it's going to happen, this is the best chance, right? During the season, they've got their rosters locked in. Now they would have to try to figure out how to make $11.5 million worth of space, whether it's through uh, salary retention on the other end, right? To kind of lower that hit or trading a bad contract out or trading just a bunch of guys that maybe they are just taking up a few million dollars here and there. And it adds up. Um, that's a lot tougher to do during the season. Um, now, after all is said and done, you've got the draft coming in. They're looking at guys that they're moving out uh, through the draft trades and whatnot. 
and they're looking at guys that are expiring contracts and they're saying, okay, now we have all of this space. Now it's easier to get this guy on the team and then kind of fill in the pieces around that. So I think this is probably the best opportunity for the Sharks to move Eric Carlson if that's what they're trying to do. And I think you'd be insane not to want to move the guy just because of the assets you can get back and knowing that you're going through this rebuild and he's really not the guy that you need right now. He's the guy that maybe you need in a few years, uh, which unfortunately you can keep him there for all that time. But then by the end of the contract, he's going to be what, 36. So, um, you know, father time does catch us all at some point. So, um, I think, yeah, again, you're going to see some movement. Uh, if you're going to see movement, it's going to be at the draft or sometime during free agency. Um, you know, maybe there's a guy that they're looking at, some team is looking at, they want to get, but he goes to a different team. Now they've got a hole to fill. Now they're more likely to want to go out and make that trade for that big dollar player uh, before they filled in the rest of the roster. So, again, I think, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen sometime uh, during the draft or during that free agency period before the teams have kind of already stocked up the shelves. Um, and kind of on that same vein of talking about Eric Carlson, like I know Aaron had talked about uh, Jim, Mike Greer, and his thoughts. We've also got David Quinn, Coach David Quinn, uh, and his thoughts on Eric Carlson. So we'll have a lot of, of people talking about their thoughts about Eric Carlson, including the, the people in the chat, I'm sure. So um, why don't we go ahead and play, unless you got something else you want to say about this specifically, Aaron? No, I mean, we, we're Good. just going to keep going with it, yeah. So let's go ahead and hear uh, Coach David Quinn's thoughts on uh, not only just the the Eric Carlson staying thing, but he was also uh, kind of talking about the Sharks record and how maybe it uh, it, it could have looked a little bit better. So go ahead and we'll, we'll play that one right now. We just stunk. You know, we stunk on the power play. We stunk on the penalty kill. We stunk five on five. Our forward stunk. Our defenseman stunk. We just stunk. <laughs> that, is, that is not the clip. <laughs> Accurate, though. But anyway, go ahead, Super Producer Jason. Well, as we've touched on a lot, your record is what it is. We weren't far off in 60th game, however many games that we lost, you know, and there's a lot of data and, you know, stuff that we do behind the scenes here that thinks, Jesus, we should should have won that, you know, just from a pure 60-minute data of where your play was, your scoring chances, your idea, things that matter in our in our game say that our record should have been better. And obviously it's hard because the last six weeks are a little bit misleading because of the changes and whatnot. And I think we all, and I've talked about this with our players, we kind of have to not forget, but really focus on the first, you know, probably through the middle of January before we started making changes, what that looked like when we weren't auditioning players and doing the things we were doing. That's just the fact. And there were a lot of things that, a play here, a play there, and we're in a different situation where if you look at some of the other teams maybe that are in the lottery or around us in the standings, it didn't look that way. So that's why I'm optimistic. And, you know, some of those other teams don't have Carlson, Couture, Hurdle, you know, Vlasic, Ferraro, guys like that that are great building blocks. But, uh, of course, the question is, will you have Carlson next year? Well, I sure the hell hope so. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's all that type of speculation, and I mean, I'm, he's here till he's not. I mean, this is pro sports, and after every season, you could go to any locker room, and reporters are probably asking the coach and the general manager if this guy will be here or not. And I mean, Wayne Gretzky got traded; anybody can get traded. But listen, he's you know, from a coaching standpoint, he's everything you want in a player, and he was incredible in the locker room. He's great to coach, and I hope he goes nowhere. 
some big words. Yeah. Doesn't yeah, want him I, to go anyway. He says, I, I, I sure hope so. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, I sure hope so, you know, that, that he sticks around. He'd, he'd love to have him back in the lineup, obviously. See, and for me, this is, we talk about, we talk about, you know, teams wanting to tank, right? Oh, yeah, they want to tank. They, they, they should try to tank as much as, no, the players don't want that. And the coaches, as you just heard, he wants him back. doesn't matter how good or bad the team is. He wants the guy back. So they, they're not there trying to tank now you could argue the gm maybe by bringing guys up or down or trades that whatever fine i understand but uh as far as the guys that are uh, on the bench uh playing the game one that yeah they don't they're not interested in tanking at all they can care what some 17 year old kid can do for them down the road they they want right now why why would the coach want to lose his best player the league's best defenseman ran 43% of all the goals went through this one player. If you take him out, that's really bad. Um, it's really interesting what, what he said about the other stuff too, about the team and, and how close they were. And, and Darren Stevens, who, who does a lot of really cool sharks tweets about stats, random stats. Um, he turned this one. He, he turned this one. He, he posted this one and I wanted to, to read it here. The one sharks, this is like his last tweet too of the season. The one shark stat that sticks out to me from this season, they lost 33 games in which they led or were tied in the third period, which is including the overtime and shootout losses. Kudos to the coaching staff for keeping this team in games as much as that. And I mean that as a credit to them. 33 games. They were at one point winning or tied where the game probably could have gone their way, should have gone their way, at least in half of them. Now, the Sharks ended the season with, I think it was 60 points. Um, if you take those 33 games and you turn 20 of those into wins, that means you'd be, you know, instead of 0-33 in those games, you're 20 and 13. It's a winning record, right? In those specific games, in those close games. That's a playoff team. That's that's assuming that's 40 points right there. 20 20 wins, 20 more wins out of those 33 games. You turn those into wins. That's 40 points. That gets you 100 points on the season to your 60. That is a playoff team. Uh, Winnipeg got in the playoffs with 95 points. 100 points now is pretty much the base standard to get in. So this team is not as bad as their record shows. If you look at the other teams that are at the bottom, Anaheim, Chicago, um, Columbus, their goal differential is horrendous. It's not even close to the Sharks. Um, there was a really good article by Corey Massasak that came out at the end of last week going over this, going over the scenarios of, of how this tank job by the Sharks is amazing because there's no way they should have been this bad. Just based on all the data and exactly what David Quinn or um, yeah, David Quinn was just talking about, you know, when you look at the data, the data, I think he says data, the data that is over a 60 minute game, they should have won a lot of these games. Um, looking at all the advanced stats, they should have won these games. They just didn't. Just simple mistakes, little things, and just the puck ended up in the back of their net and they ended up losing the game. That's why I feel a little bit more optimistic because if they turn those around next year, they turn those 33 games into 20 wins right there off the bat. I mean, I'm not saying that they will, but it's doable depending on what happens in the offseason, how what kind of moves they make. The goaltending needs to be better. That's 
that's one thing. And I'll get into that in a little bit because Mike Greer talks specifically about the goaltending. Um, I To me, it's just like, okay, the Sharks were lucky. Yeah, fans are pissed that they won three games, what, a week ago, two weeks ago, because it put them out of the worst the worst spot but they shouldn't even be in the bottom five they should they're lucky that they're going to have a top five pick most likely a top five top six pick they probably should have been around the 12 to 15th pick so it's very imagine imagine the beginning of the season everyone's like okay they're going to be around that bubble playoff or just missing the playoffs not even a bubble team but it's like the worst spot you can be because now you're picking 12th to 15th instead of top five the sharks are in the top five it's awesome. I'm so happy. Yeah, most likely will not be Connor Bedard. I was never thinking that they were going to be able to get him in the first place. If obviously I'd be stoked if they do. If they pull that, if their number comes up, amazing. I'm going to be be doing the, the Eric Carlson video screaming around like a chicken cut off, chicken with his head cut off, like just screaming so excited. But I'm not expecting it at all. I don't want anyone's hopes to get up because it's just most likely not going to happen. See, whereas I wanted the lowest pick possible not to get Bedard, but to get the best player possible, right? At whatever. So if you get, you know, down at number one, but you get leapfrogged, you still only get leapfrogged and you still get either the second or third best player in the draft. If if you're at number four and you get leapfrogged, you're now getting the fifth best player. I'd rather be as low as possible, not because I want Bedard, but because I want the best player that I can possibly get, period, whoever that may be, right? Um, so... But you're, I think it is great. Like if you look at the advanced stats and it is promising for next season that, you know, although a few pieces here and there will be moved around and certainly a gigantic piece in Timo Meyer uh, is, is, is missing and perhaps was part of uh, that, how, why everything was so close. Maybe um, I, I guess my response to that would be, you're asking them though, to turn two thirds of the losses that they had in that particular way into wins. That's a tall order. I mean, if, those, if, if my those grandma losses, had wheels, she'd be a bicycle. You know what I'm saying? No, no, like, no. It's, those losses, these aren't the 6-1 blowouts. These no, are the games where they're they're tied or they're winning by a goal. You Absolutely. lock it down with good goaltending and defense. Those are wins. I agree it's, with you, but but they did lose those games. They 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 fell apart. The, the team could, ha, couldn't hold on. And it happened 33 times. Like that's the identity of the team. And when it happens that many times, they can't hold the lead. So yeah, if we're if we're hoping that this team will be able to kind of play the full 60 as opposed to 55 or 50 or whatever it is, right? Um, if it happened 33 times, like there's a big problem there. So hopefully, yeah, there's a, there's some way for them to turn, uh, like you say, two thirds of those around. Uh, but that is a very tall order still. The main point to drive, and Aaron's already done so, is that you know this team was in it in that many games. They shouldn't be as low as they are in the standings, uh, and they shouldn't be able to get as good of a pick as they're going to get. So um, in a weird, strange, bizarro kind of way, yeah, we are kind of lucky to be in the position that we're in because, as Aaron said, we should be picking closer to you know the teens uh, in this draft. So um, I, I guess something to be happy about, Aaron. I don't know. I'm just, I don't, I don't know. I'm a glass half full rather than empty. So I just see the good in that the shark, what the sharks have done. And um, I, I think it's, it's there. This isn't a 60 point team. 
at least before the trade deadline, this was not a 60 point team. This was a closer to 80, maybe 90, 80 points on a good day. Um, I, I just, I think that they're lucky that they tanked so bad. And again, there's no way the team is like you were saying, they're not saying let's tank so we can get this 17, 18 year old on our team and save us. That's not how it works. So it's just, they worked hard. A lot of it was a new coaching staff that came in super late, uh, a new GM that was hired super late, trying to turn things around and, and change. And we keep talking about identity, but the way this team is playing is they're relying less on skilled players and more on hardworking, grinding out players, which is exactly the kind of player that Mike Greer was at when he was a player in the league. Um, those are Mike Greer's guys, and that and he's slowly accumulating more of those. I did not pull the clip, but in the Greer interview, because it was 46 minutes long, <laughs> one of the quotes he had in there was he was kind of asked like what he wants to add to the team. He wants more sandpaper and grit players because he feels that those are the ones that will fight for your team, play the right way, and when it comes to playoff time, are the ones that lead the team, which I wholeheartedly agree with. So um, we're going to see more players. I'm not saying there's more players like these guys, but the like Kachuk, like Matthew and, and his brother Kachuk, right? They are right. highly skilled players who have a lot of sandpaper, a lot of grit to them. Um, more players like that would be drafted by the Sharks than a, not to say they wouldn't draft Connor Bedard, obviously they would, but more of a skilled, smaller player like that. I think they're going to go more bigger. They want to add size, which is also another thing he said. So this team is going to be bigger. Um, yeah. Anyway. So we're going to talk about uh, Mike Greer and the exit interview that he gave. There's several sections, lots of things to talk about here. But before we get to that, uh, Colin C28 says, if they get the first overall, where's the draft party? <laughs> Good question. Maybe we do a draft party. I think we do. Yeah, a draft party show. That'd be fun. That would be fun. A live Maybe. audience. It, we we did uh, a, a super producer, Jason. If you could put it in the chat, what was that brewery that we went to that time? S twenty seven. Yeah, there you go. S twenty. Maybe we can uh, ask if we can do something over there. That'd be fun. That would be fun. The draft is the end of June, I believe. Yeah, I think it's on our All calendar. Right. Um, let's see. Uh, do you think uh, Debbie wants to know? Do you think Quinn is a good fit for this team? I think so. I think. Uh, Part of it was the personnel. They just didn't have it this season, like in terms of being competitive and skilled enough. Um, I think on the back end, the Sharks show that they were weaker. On uh, uh, Talking about on their defensive pairings, I think um, Greer's done a tremendous job overturning the prospect pool for defensemen. Um, again, Ryan Merkley starting the season was the number one prospect defensive-wise, and he's obviously he's not in the organization anymore. Um, Thrun, I think looked great in the small sample size of games at the end of the season. Um, he's probably an NHL defenseman, probably, you know, bottom pairing guy, but that's a pretty good bottom pairing guy. Um, Hoyt he was Chuck, most recently another... partnered with Eric Carlson. What was that? He was most recently partnered with Eric Carlson. That was the end of the season. And see what the kid can do, but he, he was on the power play. <laughs> He was he was running some of the power play stuff, and I thought he he didn't look out of place. So I think uh, I'm excited for that kid to get a, a full season in next year. 
uh, most likely making it out of training camp. Um, but anyway, there's there's just there's a lot of hope for that back end to be a lot more more depth to it and younger, more not not necessarily skilled, but defensive defensemen that are going to stop things, but also not stone hands and they can move the puck out of the zone and, and make the passes. So to me, there's hope on the back end. I think it's going to help in the long run, obviously. Yeah, and I think that for the question of is Quinn a good fit for this team? Well, I mean, if we look at what was the biggest knock on Quinn uh, in in New York? What was the biggest knock on Quinn? Do you remember? It was he wasn't good with young guys. He but. wasn't good with young guys. Well, I, I'm telling you, we we've had some young guys kind of pop in and out, and and uh, especially near the end of the season, we've had some kind of jump in there. Eklund played a little bit. Um, we had um, uh, Bordalo step in. We had Thrun, obviously. So we've had some young guys kind of come in, and they had some success. Now. The other thing to, to remember is just that aside, you know, is Quinn a good fit? Well, I mean, we just talked about that, you know, there were 33 games that potentially could have turned into wins had they been able to close out, right? I mean, these are these are losses that were third period leads that evaporated. So as Aaron's saying, you know, if you can get two thirds of those, I mean, maybe that's a high number, but if you could turn those around, this is a, you know, we're talking about a playoff team. So is Mike uh, or is David Quinn a good coach for the, a good fit for this group? Yeah, I think it worked out okay. It's just that they couldn't seem to close out, you know. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of my thoughts on it. Um, I, I think David Quinn is 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 fine for this group. I'd be interested in seeing next season the guys that they bring in, especially the guys that they bring up. You know, again, if, if this is supposed to be a coach that maybe has uh, you know a hard time playing the younger players or doesn't like playing the younger players, um, that's kind of what the Sharks have right now in the system. These guys that are ready to kind of move up and move in. You know, between Eklund, Bordalo, and Thrun, as we had just said, amongst others, uh, maybe Gushin gets a, an opportunity. Who knows? So um, I, I'll be interested in seeing what uh, what he does next season. But yeah, I think I, I think he was fine with this group, and I think uh, even though the, they were as low as they are in the standings, those advanced stats that Corey Massasak was talking about um, certainly points that uh, he was doing. Uh, just fine. So, yeah. um, Aaron, why don't we talk a little bit about the Mike Greer exit interview? Now, you've got a whole bunch of things here that you want to talk about. I think there's like four different clips. So, or actually maybe more. I don't know. But uh, why don't you go ahead and start jumping into these? Uh, just fire away. Sure. Uh, first question asked. From my, again, this is a 46-minute interview. These are the things that I kind of cherry-picked to put together for our show. And they are a little bit long-winded, but he has some good things to say. So coming from the GM, Mike Greer, here are the takeaways from this season alone and what his thoughts were and how they did. I think, uh, you know, on the ice, I, I think it's, it was uh, a little bit disappointing. I thought we were, you know, and post uh, pre pre deadline, I thought we were, you know, a better team than our, our record showed, but you know, the results weren't there. So, um, but I think the main thing I was, I was really happy with the style of play that was implemented um, and the compete compete level of the group. I thought they showed up guys showed up and worked every day at practice and in the games we competed hard every pretty much every night. So, um, you know, I think uh, that was the main thing. And I think one of the things we set out to do was kind of start building the, the foundation of, of what type of, culture and standard we want here with the sharks and i think the guys and the coaches did a good job of kind of laying the early early bricks down of of that foundation there you go i mean i i don't disagree i think um if you look at the two seasons before this season 
the Sharks were bad and they were not fun to watch. I think this season was more entertaining because um, they were close in so many games. It really could have gone a lot more the Sharks way. So to me, they played, they played harder. They played for each other. They stood up for each other. Um, Bringing in some of these guys like Lorenz and, and Kudin before he got hurt and, some other guys that were very hardworking guys. Nico Sturm, another one. Just great, great guys. That third and fourth line, those guys worked their tails off every night. They they practically never took a night off. So um, very happy with a lot of those guys and, and happy with what Greer did to this lineup. And I think uh, it's going to carry into next year, um, hopefully with some healthier guys. Uh, Dark and Donkey saying Gru didn't get, uh, didn't even get a top prospect for Timo. Disappointing what the Sharks got back. Yes, but let's remember he also got uh, a first overall, and I believe um, the, there's a conditional, right on the on another first. It's a second for next season, and if right. the if the Devils get to the conference finals with Meyer playing in fifty percent of the games in the playoffs, then it turns into a first round pick next year. So we did get some 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 uh, good assets, some picks out of that. Uh, on top of, let's not forget, Mukmadulin and Ahoychuk, which both of those guys are projecting pretty good right now. So uh, I'd be more than happy if those two turn into something on top of the fact that we've got those picks to work with. Now, we don't have to take those picks for what they are. We can always use those, trade them up, uh, get a better pick out of it as well. So um, it's just assets, things that Mike Greer can work with. I'm not totally disappointed in the Timo trade. I just I think that there wasn't a big a recognizable name attached to it on the return. And that's what people uh, didn't like about that. So um, we'll we'll see. I think things like this, it usually takes a little bit of time to shake out to really kind of get that feel of, you know, who won the trade, although people want to say it like right away. Um, But I think Greer did okay. I think Timo is obviously the better player out of everybody. uh, But I I think that the return wasn't as bad as uh, people were making it out to be. Um, but I do like in his takeaways uh, for the year response that he had talked about, we're playing the game the right way. Uh, I mean, I sure hope so because the guys that he brought in were all the guys that he wanted to play a certain way and they had a certain style and it's that hardworking gritty style uh, that he's looking to get more of those players. And maybe, um, maybe more of them isn't the right move. Maybe it's just the, the right ones, uh, maybe higher quality grit guys than the ones that we end up getting. Uh, I, I think, you know, Sveshnikov did okay. Uh, Cunning, unfortunately, was injured for the majority of the year. Um, and then other guys, uh, Gadjevich, obviously, we've seen the, what, what he can do uh, and what he brings. But there's, you know, there's some other guys that, that were in there that maybe could have played a lot better. Uh, Oscar Lindblom, certainly one of those guys. Big bodies, one of those guys that can certainly hit, but he just wasn't producing offensively the way that they were hoping he was going to rebound him with his career. So uh, maybe just higher quality uh, grit guys is the uh, the right thing there, uh, but we'll see what uh, what he wants to do with that. Now, Aaron, he also, as you alluded to earlier, uh, talked a little bit about Eric Carlson and perhaps the the future therein. So, uh, go ahead and set this clip up or these clips, maybe. Uh, these are two clips, two different questions at different points of this forty six minute interview. Um, asking about he was asked about Eric Carlson and if he's going to get traded, um, and then there was another question, kind mm-hmm. of similar. Um, on how his play and, and the second follow-up question is more of uh, did his value kind of increase after this season and is the market kind of like hotter for Eric Carlson than it was before the season so here's 
Here's a couple a uh, couple minutes of Mike Greer talking about Eric Carlson and his future with the San Jose Sharks. He had a tremendous season, and um, I think we all we all know it. I think it was a, kind of a special year to be around, and um, you know he he carried a lot of play for us as as for our team and as an important player. So um, you know it's uh, for him. He, him and I t- talked and. It's tough to put a, a timeline on any of this stuff, how quickly you can turn it on. There's a lot of unknowns and circumstance that goes into it. So, um, you know, I think he and I both agree that things are kind of moving in the right direction and, and, things, and, and things like that. Well, whether everything matches up with the timeline of where he's at in his career, I, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard for me to say 100% for sure one way or the other. Um, but he's been great. I think I've enjoyed working with him. Quinny's enjoyed working with him. So, um, you know, hopefully he'll be back. But we'll have to see, uh, you know, as he takes some time away to think about it and, and um, you know, we get into the, down the road in the offseason what – what else might pop up as far as, um, you know, teams interest in him. And, and then we'll kind of, as we've done for the last kind of four months, we'll, uh, you know, if there's interest in him, we'll, we'll listen and see if it makes sense. And, and um, you know, if something does come up, we'll take it, Eric. But, um, you know, as it stands right now, he's, he's a big piece of our team. And, you know, that's, that's how we're, uh, you know, we're going to take and head into the offseason with that. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be, it'll definitely be a balance. Um, you know, I think it's not all all about cap space. Sure, it'd be great for us to to gain cap space, but if you're also looking at a hundred point right shot D, who was uh, pretty pretty dominating and still 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 young. So um, so it's not someone we're we're not looking just to give them away just to get cap space. So. Um, it'll definitely be a balance. I think we, we have an idea of what we think he's, what he's worth and what, what we should get in return. And, um, we'll just kind of leave, leave it at that. I think it'll like any deal, it's kind of be give and take on both sides and the balance of yes, getting some cap relief, but also, um, getting what we, we feel is, uh, is a good return for him. Going back to what Carlson was saying in his interview, same. It's not really like I don't think it's black or white of if he's going to be traded or not. I think it's just open ended. Is it going to happen if the if it's right for the team? If it's right for Carlson, then yes, he'll get traded. If not, then he won't. So uh, they obviously would love him to stay here in San Jose. Um, A right handed shot, as he said, a right handed shot defenseman scored 100 points. Those are kind of rare to come by. Um, there's not very many in the league. In fact, there are none other ones in the league. So um, it's funny at the end, he said he's very young still. Like I'm sure Greer thinks he's very, very young at 32. I'm not saying he's old, but he's on the other end of being young. So um, funny, funny that he threw it in there. But what, the what do you think uh, about his thoughts on Carlson? What do I think about his thoughts on Carlson? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, if he's got he's got a 100-point right-shot defenseman who's got, was it three or four more years? I can't remember now. 
I think it's four uh, more four. years. Four yeah. more seasons. He has a team that he's currently rebuilding. Call it what you want. Retool, rebuild, re whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, there is no reason, no need, as Noah Claxton said here. Um, and I'm just going to quote Noah Claxton right now. The perfect mindset. No need to sell him low for cap reasons. It's not like we need the cap space to sign someone else. 100%. We don't need $11.5 million to sign somebody else who can do what he can do. Um, I mean, maybe it gets you some more lower quality players to fill out your roster. These these grinder types that he's talking about, these these sandpaper type guys. Like maybe it helps you pull those in, but um I just don't really feel the need to move him specifically to have the cap space to bring in what? Nobody's gonna wanna no high dollar UFA is gonna wanna come and play here for the same reason that Eric Carlson would want to leave so that he can go win somewhere. Why would you why would you be a high dollar UFA coming to the Sharks thinking that oh this is going to be the place that I'm going to win. You wouldn't. So uh, honestly right now I just don't see it. I don't see there's really the need to have the cap space. Now we've removed some other players, right? And I have a feeling we're going to see other players get moved too. Like what's his name? Uh, Logan Couture was one of the guys in the comments saying he's probably going to get moved. Well, that's another good chunk of cash that's going to be coming off those books. So and and the guys that we have, you know, buyouts and and um, salary retention, those will be coming off soon enough as well. I don't think we need the cap space. So if you're not going to give me what the guy's worth, I'll keep him. It doesn't matter if he's a no trade clause or whatever. I'll keep the guy. That's fine. So I, I'm with uh, Mike Greer here on this one. I I, I like what he has to say, um, and it sends a message to other teams. You're not just going to take advantage of me because he makes a lot of money. And because he's 32 years old, the man just had a 100-point season, and he's a right-handed defenseman. Pay up. I think that's totally fine uh, to have that mentality and that attitude. Now, I did see something pop up on the screen. However, I was in the middle of my rant, and I missed it. So, <laughs> Super Producer Jason, if you could highlight that one more time, and I will read it. Anthony Sanchez says, Greer will not sign a top UFA because, honestly, no UFA will want to come to San Jose. UFA signing will be a goaltender only. You know what? I I agree that uh, maybe uh, a, a decent enough goaltender UFA might want to come. If there are other teams that already have it locked down, he doesn't have the opportunity to play. Maybe there's a guy that say, hey, you know, I'm pretty good, but I don't want to be anybody's backup. You know what I'm saying? So uh, maybe he sees that opportunity and he comes in. I don't know. And again, like you said, Aaron, maybe a UFA is going to see that ball drop and go, eh, you know what? Maybe I'll uh, start my career in San Jose. Who knows? You know, what do, what do you Probably. think? Um, well, going back a little bit, what you're saying, trading him for cap space. If they were to trade him, they had all that cap space. They wouldn't be signing UFAs. They would be using it like Arizona uses it and probably taking on bad contracts to get more prospects and picks. I mean, not necessarily as much as Arizona uses it, but I could see him pulling in one or two of the what six, seven million dollar contracts or, or a five million dollar contract that's just bad for another couple of years just to bury him, keep the cap hit, and uh have a lot of prospects and/or picks in return. So that's what I would see them doing with it. Now, free agents, goalie free agents, funny you should say, because there are not many good ones on the free agent list. Uh, going into UFA next for this upcoming summer, um, the top one based on the current cap hit that they have, which isn't what they would sign for, but it's just a way of measuring. Um, Jonathan Quick, Varlamov, Ben Bishop, Frederick Anderson, Jonathan Bernier, Cam Talbot, Tristan Jari, 
Anton Kubodin, Alex Nadeljevic, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood. Those are just the top 10. None of those are the answer in goal. I don't even feel like short term. Like to me, that's that would be um, another another uh, James Reimer, right? Who's also on this list. So um, it, it would be switching out James Reimer for one of those guys. And I just I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what he's going to do. I think it's a priority for Greer to get either a prospect or somebody, and then just roll with uh, with Kakinen and and that other person. But um, interesting, we're getting into that too. Do you have any more thoughts? Because I have another clip here. Is is it a clip that Von Carlson, or is this clip rolling to the goaltenders? This is going right into the goaltenders. Beautiful segue. I was going to do. We go ahead, fire away. All right, here is Mike Greer on his thoughts on the goaltending. Uh, I believe the question was asked about specifically James Reimer and if he's going to be signed again um, for next season. So here are his thoughts on the goaltending tandem of the Sharks. Um, well, I think the goaltending, I, I, I'm talking to both of them. I'm, I'm sure um, it wasn't great. And I think they both were kind of disappointed with uh, with their play this year. But at the same time, there's a lot of other things that go on, go into it. People kind of just look at the numbers um, that weren't great and kind of put a, a lot of the blame on on just the goalies, but there's a lot of other things, that, a lot of other factors that go into it. Um, the mistakes and breakdowns we had and, and things like that where they were they were seeing some um, high-danger chances, a lot of high-danger chances every night. So um, it's not just all on them. It's, you know, as, as a group, we got to be better. we got to be a better defensive unit. Um I think um, as far as Capo goes, I think his season was really, uh, you know, really up and down. Um, I don't think he ever really found his found his footing. Um, um, I think he he was struggling with some of the things that you know Spearsy and uh, Nabby were asking to to change and, and do differently. Um, I think he kind of eventually once you know, the results weren't what he wanted. I think he, he kind of relented and was open to changing a little bit more. And I think, you know, I think he had a really good stretch of hockey there in February where he was, uh, he was really solid and you can see the traits that he has, you know, the size, the athleticism. Um, I think there's, there's some, some good tools and traits there for him. And I think he's still, you know, open to changing more and, um, you know, talking with him yesterday, I think he's really he's really willing to and open to committing. He's going to put in the probably more work than he's ever done in, in any prior offseason to to try and change his game and be ready for the season. Um, you know, I think he's going to be here early. He's going to he's going to um, go see a couple see a, see a different um, goaltending coach, and I think he's really trying to make him do everything necessary to, to make himself a more consistent and, and better goalie. So, um, you know, from my standpoint, that was something that was really good to hear. Um, you know, rhymes, I think rhymes, you know, like he said, I'm sure he probably told you guys, I think he was probably disappointed with the season overall, but, um, I thought he was excellent to start the year and, you know, he had a little back issue and then from there it was, you know, ups and downs, but, um, so I will see what happens 
what happens with him in the um, in the off season if if we bring him back or not. Um, you know, I, I would, if I'm being honest, I would say, well, we probably won't bring back the the same have the same goalie tandem as we had this year. So. Probably won't bring back the same goalie tandem. Now, there's two ways to read into that. There's, there's only one goalie tandem. That. He just got done saying, I don't know if we're going to bring him back. He said it's up in the air a little bit. So maybe they don't bring him back and they stay with Kakanen. Or maybe they're just not at all happy with Kakanen and both of them are gone. You don't no, think I so? Think, I think for me, Kakanen's younger, obviously. He's, yeah. he's uh, how was he, 26? Um, to me, it sounds like Kakanen is is doing everything in his power to get better. He's I'm not saying that Reimer's not, but he's he's looking at okay, I have two goaltending coaches telling me to change something because it's not working and I'm willing to open and he's coachable. He's being very coachable and and open to changing the way he plays his game and getting better. Um I think he has more potential. I think at 26 for goalies that's still not even hitting your prime. I think uh, he's got until about 28, 29 for prime for goalies. So he's still working his way up. Um, he's signed to a very team-friendly contract at only $2.7 million. So I think he is there. He's going to be there. And obviously, James Reimer is not going to be with the Sharks. Um, I think um, I think it's going to be somebody else. And I, don't, I have a feeling uh, Greer is going to be pushing to trade for a either a, a high-end prospect goalie or maybe taking on a semi-bad contract of a goalie who needs a change of scenery. Um, that's kind of my how I'm looking at it. But I James Reimer, I don't believe, will be signed. Obviously, he, James Reimer's not going to be signed by the Sharks. They kind of pushed a little bit too after. I didn't get it in the clip, but they pushed about it. And he, he wouldn't say no outright, but it was a no. I don't see the reason to bring back James Reimer, quite frankly. I mean, from, from Reimer's standpoint, I don't see the reason why he would want to come back in the first place. It's not because, oh, the Sharks are such a bad team. Um, but if he knows what the Sharks are, what what the record has been, what uh, how, how they've done the past few seasons. He knows all this stuff about the Sharks. He knows they're not going to be playoff bound. Um, the man wants to go out and win just like Eric Carlson does. So it doesn't make sense for him as a UFA to even want to resign in San Jose uh, for those reasons, I'm sure he loves the area and everything else. Has no problem with the team and the, and the front office. I'm sure he loves all of that. Um, but I, I don't think that it makes any sense for him to say, "Yeah, I'm going to come back to San Jose." Does, so, I, for that reason, I think you're not going to see him. Forget about my career. I just don't think Reimer's going to want to be back there. He's going to want to go to some team, like we said, that you know we wish we had a better backup. Um, it, 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 it bit us in the playoffs. Uh, there's a UFA uh, James Reimer. Let's make him an offer. I think that's probably what we're going to see more than anything else. And he's going to go someplace where he has an opportunity to win. That's what I think will happen. Uh, as far as uh, goalies, uh, uh, the other goalie tandem, I don't know that uh, Makinemi or Strauss Mann are ready for the show. So um, if Kakinen is going to be there and Kakinen is willing to listen to the goaltending coaches and they're going to revamp his style and everything else, obviously another reason James Driver wouldn't be here. He's not going to revamp anything. The man's set in stone the way he plays goaltending. Uh, if they didn't like it, then then they don't have to sign them again. So no big deal there. But um, I, I think that it'll – I don't know that the RHL guys are ready uh, to, to make that jump yet. So uh, absolutely, I think you're right. I think we're probably looking at uh, some trade in, involving 
Um, on the other end, coming back, a, a high-level prospect goaltender, um, hopefully somebody who can either tear it up in the AHL or uh, just be a very, very solid backup uh, until they're ready for full-time duty. Uh, that would be kind of the the best case scenario, I think, when it comes to uh, the goaltending situation. Other than, you know, uh, trading Capo, I don't think you're going to get that much back for Capo anyway right now. Maybe some of the team sees the potential, um, but I don't think his value is very high right now. So, yeah, you're probably right. Probably just kind of uh, hang on to the guy and see where the team goes with him uh, next season. Uh, go through that um, that training, uh, off-season training. Go through uh, the, the camps and whatnot. Uh, listen to your, your co- goalie coaches. See what they have to tell you. And uh, hopefully you can improve and, and do better for the next season. So um, that's kind of what I think about uh, the uh, goaltending situation. We've got a lot going on there. But, you know, as the, a lot of them have said, too, and a lot of people in the chat are saying as well, you know, a lot of it has to do with not just the goaltending, but uh, the team that's in front of it, the defensive unit, not just the, the pair of defensemen, but that five-man unit uh, keeping pucks out of the high-danger areas. So uh, I'm sure there will be improvements there as well. Aaron, what are you smiling about? <laughs> I was just thinking, do you know, you're not really paying attention to the playoffs right now, but um, the Florida Panthers are okay. playing Boston Bruins. Of course, Bruins are just going to destroy them. Um, do you know who the goaltender is for the Florida Panthers? Oh, God. No. Go ahead. I like his name. Sergei. I knew it. I knew it. Right? Yeah. $10 million for another three years. Yeah. Who started the game? Who started it? Not him. Nope. Oh boy. Their other goalie they have signed, Spencer Knight, is in the substance abuse program at 21 years old. It's scary. He signed an extension for the next three years at four and a half million. That's 14 and a half million for the next three seasons to two guys. Your goal. Not just to two goal. guys, but to one position that you right. can only play one of them at a time. Exactly. Um, I think one of them will be moved because Alex Leon is the one who is called up on an emergency loan and is starting for the Florida Panthers in the playoffs because he wow. ended the season playing well for them. So I'm thinking, what if the Sharks were to trade Vlasic for Bobrovsky, take on that extra $3 million, now they have Bobrovsky and Kakinen. I'm just spitballing. Just like yeah. there are goalies out there that could be moved. And to me, obviously, I wouldn't want to pay a goalie $10 million. I think that's insane. But if they were to, what if they just retain some of that salary? Or they just, you know, whatever, call it a wash. Because then that gets rid of Vlasic off of the defensive end. Frees up that space. Brings in a goalie who has a couple Vezina trophies in this cabinet. It would be a good transition period for plus he's he's I believe he's Russian Bobrovsky. I'm um, sorry. Are you trying to talk up Bobrovsky? Because traditionally that is not what you've been doing. I know. I don't I don't I don't think Bobrovsky would win a cup for the Sharks, but I think he would bring stability to the Sharks in the for back. 10 million. He better. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about having a 10 million dollar goaltender and an eleven and a half million dollar defenseman offensive defenseman. What if he's moved, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's anyway, true. that's true. Um, just, just throwing that out there randomly. Sure. Just throwing it. Sorry. <laughs> um, just, just showing like there are ways that the sharks could get a goaltender because I don't think signing a UFA is going to happen for the goaltending position. Uh, there's just not, but nobody out there. Um, 
All right. Anything else? Are we going to move on to the next, the last? No, nah, this is the here. last, uh, the last thing here that Mike was talking about, and it's about uh, Peterson and Gregor. So go ahead and set this up. So uh, the question was asked about pending UFAs and if they played well enough um, to get a contract. And of course, he's not going to say yes. We offered him or anything, and and we're waiting for an answer. So um, this is Mike Greer's thoughts on both Peterson and fan favorite Noah Gregor. Um, I mean, I think, uh, they both, they both did play well down the stretch. Um, I think Petey was, um, you know, a, a pleasant surprise. Um, I think he, he, he did a good job and kind of took advantage of his opportunity, which was nice to see. Um, Noah, you know, Noah had a, an up and down season. He didn't, uh, you know, to start the season, I, he didn't really play well and then, Another guy, I think, who lost his confidence and was trying to um, kind of figure out his role, his role here, and how to play, and how we wanted him to play, and how we we thought he needs to play to be effective. Um, you know, we played down the stretch. He played a little bit better, so um, you know, he's got a lot of a lot of attributes you're looking for in NHL players with the size and speed, and uh, you know, he can shoot the puck. So. Um, you know, it was a good finish to the season for him. And, well, you know, he's – both those guys are guys that kind of aren't too dissimilar from, you know, our UFAs. We're going to – we got to sit down and go through the roster um, with the coaches and the scouting staff and, and make some decisions on players. So, um, I think they're, they're still – they're both in the same bucket. Noah Claxton – says Noah Gregor's point streak to end the season is better than Carlson's 100 points. Just because he has the same first name as you doesn't mean. Yeah. I, have you read all the comments on our social media? <laughs> yeah, I read the majority of them. They're pretty good. And we'll so many, get there. We'll so many people there. screaming louder when Noah Gregor scored his 10th goal than anything else for the season. <laughs> um, Aaron, anything that to, to, to add thoughts wise on on Peterson and Gregor, Peterson's actually stepped up and played extremely well mm-hmm. for a short stint here in San Jose. Yeah, he's he was a like you said a pleasant surprise. I don't think any of the the staff that had made that trade were expecting anything like that. Um, and I was just looking it up. He had was it eight points in his last? How many games did he play for the Sharks? Um, I'll pull it up right now. But he had uh, he played. Uh, that was not with the Sharks. So he had he had a couple games before he got traded, but um, in ten games he had eight points with the Sharks. That's that's pretty darn good. Not bad for a guy who I don't even think was expecting to even play in the NHL at this point. Probably in the AHL and, and getting working his way up. But um, he uh, he was a pleasant surprise, and that's good for him. So like Greer said, he had he had a um, a he took advantage of his situation and played well showing that he does belong in the NHL. So maybe not with the sharks, maybe, maybe he goes and signs somewhere else, but uh, the sharks have something there at least. So that, that created an asset for them to, to possibly move. Um, but yeah. Um, uh, Nick just wanted to ask did Aaron buy the Jersey. Should I spoil it or no? No, 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 no. We're getting there. I said, all we're right, getting right. there. We're almost stringing there. along. But as far as Jacob Peterson goes, um, this season with the Texas Stars, the AHL, he was 
Um, a 26 point player in 44 games played that was 13 goals, 13 assists split right down the middle. And then he moved on uh, from there after the trade with the Barracuda had eight games there, one goal, five assists for six points. And then when he came uh, over to the Sharks, he had 11 games played um, two goals, six assists for eight points. So um, pretty solid player uh, so far, actually for the Sharks. I, I was not expecting eight points in 11 games, just like something else that I wasn't expecting that we'll be talking about a little bit later on. But um, yeah, a pleasant surprise. Now this is one of those guys that maybe the, the pickup didn't really make a whole lot of sense uh, at first, right? You kind of go, why, why are we making this? And it was Reedy, Reedy for Peterson, right? This Why? Um, they, they obviously saw something that we didn't see. So, uh, you know, again, um, just a, a real pleasant surprise, uh, from Jacob Peterson. And as far as no Gregor's concerned, um, you know, he is what he is in my eyes still. <laughs> I don't care what anyone oh, wait. says. Going back to Peterson, does yeah. that give you a little bit more faith in the, uh, I'd say like the staff, right? Like Mike Greer and his staff in evaluating talent from other teams that are, looking to move some of these guys and they target, you know, maybe they said, Hey, Scott Reedy, I don't, I can't remember if he asked for the trade. I think they were trying to do a favor, like getting him into a new organization, kind of a fresh start. Um, but I think uh, Peterson was kind of in the same boat in that uh, he needed a fresh start somewhere else. And uh, am I correct that they were both first rounders late first? Oh no, that's never mind. That was um, the swap with, uh, um, Ryan Merkley. He was a first round pick uh, and who they traded to Colorado for. Yeah. Um, wait, who, what was the return for Ryan Merkley again? Oh gosh. I'm trying to remember Put me on the spot here. Regardless, look, Colorado has Ryan Merkley. He's got them in the AHL system. And, and there was an article recently that Ryan Merkley was talking with, I think it was Shang. And he was saying that, you know, part of that's on the organization. Part of that's on me. I wasn't really being used the way that I was supposed to be used like no you're supposed to be a defenseman and if all you can do is move the puck but you get scored on repeatedly and you have a bad temper about it then it's <laughs> it, you're you're not doing what you're was, supposed to be he got right? traded to so, colorado he got traded with matt nieto to colorado for martin kaut and jacob mcdonald both of who are in the sharks lineup i believe there you go now granted the sharks lineup is a little bit easier to get onto <laughs> than most but even ryan merkley wasn't able to step into the sharks lineup so maybe that tells you a little bit of something about that as McDonald's well McDonald got some good playing time at the end there though who mcdonald jacob oh mcdonald got a lot of playing time now he was yeah. playing both forward and defense is yep. incredible that he's able to do that obviously not at the same level that say maybe a brent burns would be able to but <laughs> uh to have the skill set to be able to play uh both positions at this level and the coaching staff actually puts you in those positions. There's a lot of trust there. So um, absolutely, McDonald, uh, my hat's off uh, to that guy right there. And uh, just a lot of respect for uh, what he's able to do. So mm-hmm. uh, very good stuff. Aaron, are we done with the exit interview stuff? Good. So the end of season stats. There was uh, a few things here that uh, maybe surprised you a little bit. Um, yeah, I was looking at the... Um at the finalized team stats and there were eight, 10 goal scorers, 10 plus goal scorers, eight double digit goal scorers on the sharks. I was a little shocked at, um, do you think I you thought can they name were going to be seven? Yeah. You think you can name them? Uh, no, I know that I can't. So Couture, uh, obviously after Meyer was gone, led the team with 27 goals, Carlson, 25 hurdle, 22 Barabanov, who was injured towards the end, 15, LeBanc, 15. He kind of came on towards the end. 
Um, Nico Sturm slowed down, but he had 14 on the year. I think that's great for him. Um, Steve Lorenz got 10 goals. And your best friend. Oh, yeah. Noah Gregor got oh, yeah. 10 goals. So if you <laughs> add back Timo Meyer, that's nine, nine players that would have had uh, double digits in goals. So the Sharks not, again, going back to what I said in the very beginning of the show, not uh, of the bottom teams. They're not that bad. They're, they were scoring goals. They were doing things that a mid-level team would be doing. They just happened to be garbage in the standings. So great year to be a garbage in the standings. Can you imagine if this was last year, last year's uh, draft? Like those guys, there's not really a lot of standouts there. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy it happened this year, not last year. Nice. Now you've got a question posed here, and I feel like it's just a jab. No, 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 no. Like looking at the roster. Uh-huh. Just overall, not, I'm not talking about points or goal scoring or anything. Who is who is the player that was the biggest surprise to you that you weren't expecting before the season started? We just stunk. Oh man! <laughs> uh, obviously, there there was a, a bit of a surprise. I'll say uh, at, at the end of the season there, but um, <laughs> Luke kind of garbage collector, nice. Um, but you know. I was maybe I don't want to say I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised, I guess. But this was, um, you know, having Eric Carlson play those 82. That for me uh, turned out to be uh, a pretty big surprise. Now, I was optimistic at the beginning of the season saying he's going to get more than 70. But for him to have gone and played every game, that was a pretty big surprise for me. Um, on top of that, now I know I know how good Eric Carlson is. We'll all remember that stretch of just a handful. It was like 14 games. He got like 20-something points. Um, I, I know what the guy's capable of. But to see him do it, to see him hit over 100 points, to see his the gap between him and every other defenseman in the league um, and, and just what the man's capable of, um, you, you've seen the types of moves that he can make up, forget stats, just watch the player. Right. And you see what the guy's capable of, but I don't know. Every time I watch him, there's just something he does. It's a little bit different. It's just, again, it's a little bit surprising, uh, if we're going with the, the theme of uh, the question here. So, I mean, it's, maybe it's cliche cause this season he's been the best player, obviously, but I still think that was a bit of a surprise for me. Um, having him play all the games, having him have the amazing season that he had, uh, and maybe even the, that he didn't get traded uh, in the midst of all of that. Cause I mean, he was, he was by the, by the trade deadline, it was very clear. This man is just on a tear this season. And anybody who picks this guy up is going to be uh, very happy for it. Forget his age. Right. Uh, but nobody went for it. Cool. I get it. Um, or maybe nobody could afford it. Cool. I get it. But um, I would have to say for me, that's probably uh, been the biggest surprise of, of the season that Eric Carlson was able to do what we all, well, <laughs> what most of us knew he's capable of doing. Uh, but we actually got to see it uh, firsthand. Um, that's a good one. Thank you. That's a good one. For me, El Capitan, Logan uh-huh. Couture, getting... Only the second time in his career playing in full 82-game season. He's had one other time, and he actually literally matched his output 
of 27 goals and 40 assists for 67 points, which also happens to be his second best point season in his career. He's hit 70 points once. And that was in the was the 18, 19 season. Um, so for Logan Couture, this was a almost a career year for him. Um, goal wise, he's hit 30 goals a handful of times, but points wise, he's never top 70 and he got to 67 or I mean, he's never gone past 70, but he got 67. I think that's good for him. I, I don't remember if, if or I don't know if you remember this, but Logan Couture had some major concussion issues. Before he got to the NHL level, when he was in the um, what team was it? He was in the OHL, um, Ottawa, uh, Oshawa Generals. No, Oshawa was it Osh- No, it wasn't Oshawa. Sixty-sevens. Ottawa sixty-sevens. Um, he had some major <laughs> concussion issues, and when he was drafted, he was back when he was drafted. He was expected to be a captain at some point. Like that was his pedigree. Um, a good leader, does everything. Very good two-way player but also very offensive and he was a first round pick ninth overall in 20 2007 so um he had some concussion issues and could never really stay healthy and that was a big knock on him so good for him to to come in and play just like just like uh, carlson getting a full 82 games and is that going to help his trade value down the road yes i i still think coacher is a a very good two-way forward He's going to be a hell of a third line center on a on a very good team. Still a good uh, second line center on a very good team, um, and in the playoffs, always steps up a notch. So for him, for me, that was a pleasant surprise because I'm almost always expecting him to miss more games than even Carlson at this point, or miss some games. You know, maybe not as many because he doesn't get as heavily injured as Carlson has in the past. But um, glad that glad that he was able to to be a leader and be able to stay healthy. That that made me happy and pleasant surprise. Anthony Sanchez, kind of echoing something you said <laughs> earlier, Trey Couture, the best value right now. And yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the season that he's had uh, this season kind of echoes, you know, what the man's capable of. And certainly, uh, he does a, a, an amazing job stepping up during playoff time. Uh, I know a lot of people have a hard time with his. The C on his chest, but I mean, the man is a leader. He's been doing this for a long enough time now in the NHL. Um, he was a captain uh, with the 67s, and and he knows how to lead. It's carried over, I think. Other people may disagree. That's fine. But by all accounts, the people in that locker room uh, certainly is uh, a good leader for the group. So, um, yeah, absolutely. It'd be very interesting uh, to see if he does get traded and what comes back because I feel like, uh, again, that two-way player – that really solid, as you said, third liner on uh, third line center on a, a very good team uh, with leadership qualities, uh, being able to take those guys that maybe are filling in on that third line or the, even on the fourth line um, that he can kind of take under his wing, um, kind of maybe like that Nick Bonino type of player. Right. So um, I think uh, he's definitely got his his trade value, um, but we want to pose the question out to you guys as well. And that will be all roll call roll call question for tonight uh where are you watching us from and which shark was the biggest surprise for you this season um do you think we're gonna have uh kind of more of the same you think people are gonna feel that it's um mostly eric carlson mostly uh maybe say like you said logan couture or do you think everyone's just gonna troll me and say no gregor (laughs) probably but just to to 
comment on the question. The biggest surprise is in like the biggest pleasant surprise, not biggest surprise of like disappointment of the season. I yeah, we thought Oscar Limbaugh was going to be good. Oh, yeah. yeah, that I mean, that's kind of a bummer. I think I thought he was going to do a little bit better, but um, yeah. So give us your biggest pleasant surprise for the season. Um, while they're uh, typing that in, let's take a look over here at Scott K's comment. Cause Peterson Johns just said, well said Scott. So I want to see what he says. He says, thank you, Paul, Aaron, and Jason for the wonderful and fun community that you created. We all enjoy the live streams and San Jose Sharks Talks 100. Lots of love and respect to all my fellow fans. Hey, thank you so much for that, Scott. We do appreciate it. It's why we do this, man. Uh, we just enjoy the community. We enjoy having the conversations with you guys. Um, it, this is as much for us kind of to, to decompress <laughs> as it is for you. So, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff this season and in the past few seasons, uh, it helps to kind of talk it out and get it off our chest. I know Debbie, who's watches the show uh, frequently, she went to bed about 20 minutes ago, but um, <laughs> she's she's that type too. Where she's hey man, thanks for for kind of being there to just say it so that we can kind of all listen and give our thoughts and everything else. So I do appreciate the comment. Thank you so much for that. Anything to add, Aaron? Uh, no, thanks. I this is um, what makes it fun is is interacting with everybody on here in in the chat and. It's uh, it's a friendly environment as well, which is absolutely fun. I like that a lot. Peter St. John just came up with the correct answer, and I think we were all wrong. Nico Sturm. <coughs> that was going to be that was going to be number two for me. Is Nico Sturm? Oh my goodness, I I can't believe I forgot. Yeah, Nico Sturm for me. I again, it goes beyond points. Um, the way the man plays, the way he plays the game. Um, that was uh, a breath of fresh air, and I think the type of player that Mike Greer. It, it really, really wants on this team. If he's going to bring more, more Nico Sturms into the the lineup, I am one hundred percent okay with that. Um, that is just someone who puts his head down, works hard, uh, doesn't care what the score is. He's just going out there uh, to to do it the right way every single time. So I'm I'm more than happy with the way Nico Sturm has played. And yes, uh, for me, not knowing Nico Sturm that well, um, having not really watched Colorado much, obviously. Uh, seeing him come in, the impact that he had on the team, uh, it, it, on the ice, off the ice with the media, uh, that was certainly a, a very pleasant surprise. So very nice pickup there. Aaron. Good? Good, yeah. Oh, uh, Nick says he's back on U.S. soil. <laughs> EK 101. <laughs> Nick was at the Calgary and Edmonton games uh, to end the Sharks season, so he was in Canada. Yes. Yeah. So Absolutely. Back, uh, back in the Bay. <laughs> I think Lindy once again just wants to say RIP to Bron's career. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Uh let's see. Looking back at some preseason predictions, Aaron. Um oh, yeah. Why don't you uh sure. Well, we well, got uh again, again. I know what you guys are thinking. We'll get there. Just hold on. Okay. <laughs> go ahead, Aaron. Go ahead. Well, uh, we'll go through these kind of quickly. Um I had I pulled out three different clips from the very beginning of the season. What we were going to predict. One of them was uh, if Eklund was going to play with the Sharks because this time at the beginning of the season we weren't sure he was on the roster that went over to the Czech Republic, but uh, he did not play and did not make the roster. So here were my thoughts before they even left for that trip on uh, if Eklund was going to play with the Sharks. Where are you on the Eklund should or should not play in the NHL this season train? Um, 
where do I think or what do I think the sharks are going to do? Give me both. Yeah. What, what do you, what do you think should happen? What do you think will happen? I think, uh, I think he will play, but I don't think it's going to be all or nothing. It's not going to be, um, he's going to be on the sharks and he's going to stay here all year. I think he's going to bounce between the two and he's going to, the coaches are going to say, Hey, we need you to go to the Barracuda and work on this, this, and this show us. You can do that and come back and he'll be gone for two weeks and then he'll come back. Or if there's an injury to Barabanov, somebody in the top six there, he's going to be the first guy called up. So I think it's it's going to be a lot of uh, bouncing back and forth. I don't think he's going to be, again, all or nothing. They're not going to do what they did last year where they sent him. I mean, they're not going to send him back to Sweden, but you know what I mean? Like, they're not going to send him to the Barracuda and say, you're there all year. It's not it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So I think he'll, he'll probably get, if there's no injuries, I would say under 40 games. He would play less than half the season. Probably twenty, but and and then when you get towards the end of the season or after the trade deadline and they're out of the playoffs and they trade away their players, then they're going to start throwing in these guys to play like they did last year and and the year before that. They want to see what they can do and give them NHL experience. So it's kind of a harder question to answer. I just don't mm. think he's going to be consistently on the Sharks all season. I think I think I'll take that as a win. Yeah, it's a, it's a hit. I said less than half, maybe 20 games, and he ended up playing eight. Now, I did not know that his contract would slide a year if he was yeah. under 10. If I knew that, I would have said he would have played under 10. Unless there were injuries or trades or whatever else. I don't know. I'd lean more toward I wouldn't say it's a full-on win, but it was. I wasn't completely wrong. I, yeah, I would say not completely wrong. Yeah, <laughs> not 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 bad, not bad. Um, moving on, predictions on the division. This you was a big said, miss. This, this might have been a big miss. What, what do you have here? This is a big miss. This is um, you asked me on a whim. This is again before the season started. Um, what I thought the Pacific Division would look like and who was going to win. So here are my thoughts on the division. I think a lot of people are picking Vegas to go back into the playoffs and I'm going to pick them to not make the playoffs because <laughs> I just think uh, Mark Stone's back is messed up. He's not going to be able to play a full season. Um, they had to trade Pacioretty, so he's gone. Jack Eichel, who knows if he's going to be able to, be able to play a full season and be effective. Their goaltending, Leonard's out all season, so they have what Thompson and uh, Aiden Hill as their goalies. Like, come on. So I, I don't think they're as strong as people assume that they are a lot of people are also picking seattle to be over the sharks in the standings and i'm not quite so sure about that as well they got too many yes they added some good players and obviously some very high skilled rookies but i still don't think they're going to get better than the sharks this season they'll be close to them but um and i also don't think the sharks will be in the basement of the division not that i don't want them to be because i do want them to get a high pick but I don't think they'll be down there. So, um, I mean, I'm not quite giving you everything, but LA and Anaheim, I think will be vying for that third spot kind of in the division. And yeah, there you go. Calgary. Yeah. Calgary and Edmonton will be up there. Um, I don't think Vancouver's is strong. That's they're better, but I think it'll come down to Calgary and Edmonton and then, uh, Anaheim and LA possibly Vancouver, those three going to go for those third spots. 
Not not a hundred percent wrong. <laughs> I didn't go oh for seven. But Vegas, I was right about Mark Stone. He's played less than half the season because his back was messed up. Um, his back was messed up. And it's perfectly fine now that playoffs are here. Yay! Yeah. Miracle. <coughs> Miracle I, sir. They beat out Edmonton by two points for the division. Edmonton was up there. Um, I did not see McDavid having 150-plus point season. Yeah. Um, how, how, how about uh, Anaheim vying for that second or third spot there, bud? Well, I think Anaheim <laughs> should have been a little bit better than they were, too, but they were pretty bad. But L.A. got in the third third overall pick, maybe (laughs) L.A. got the third spot. So I was right on that. Seattle, very much changed. Calgary, Calgary, I thought was better than Seattle, but I was wrong. I I feel like (laughs) Calgary is a better built uh, playoff team than Seattle. But (laughs) sorry, Noah Claxton says only 70 percent wrong. (laughs) Yeah, here you go. That's great. Yeah, yeah, I, Uh, I wasn't prepared for that question when you asked me to. So I just like look in the standings and just off of the top of my head. Um, Sometimes the, the heart it, it knows this is just not one of those times apparently, uh, but it was, it was 70% didn't know. That's okay. It's okay. Classics um, anyway. resurgence. However, that was another topic. That this is the last, about. the last one I have here, the last clip I have from uh, beginning the season. What? And we, I think we both said that Vlasic would have a resurgence here for this year. So here's our clip of what we said. Well, uh, one guy that some of the fans think uh, ought to play in the ECHL, Mark Edward Vlasic. Uh, honestly, this season, though, I, I think, and you, you said it before, uh, apparently, I don't remember you saying this, but uh, <laughs> I think this is going to be a resurgent season for him. I think he's going to look a lot better. He's got, um, you know, a head coach that kind of rewards the hard work, right? Uh, and, and him being a veteran, him trying to work hard out there, I think he's going to have a bit of a bounce back here. And um, miraculously, you had called out that you think he's going to be kind of more of the top four a 20 minute a game guy and lo and behold why don't you go ahead and take it away sure in the first game he had exactly 20 minutes and zero seconds <laughs> i said because i think last year he was down to about 12 13 minutes a night um he was kind of i want to say he's in the doghouse but he was on that third pairing and so he got scratched last year um i'm not saying it wasn't warranted he was not playing very well but i feel like this year he's in a much better headspace he's ready he's got new coaching staff he's got a new new GM. They probably sat down and talked to him, see where his game's at. Um, I think he looks, he's not going to be what he used to be. He's too old for that, but I think he's a very serviceful defenseman. I think he could stay in that top four in the next year or two, um, depending on if the Sharks bring anyone else in. But um, I thought he looked pretty decent and he didn't look like a liability. Um, In fact, I said all that stuff and just from, I guess, the eye test of watching him in the last couple of games, I was like, yeah, that's I was I was pleasantly surprising them out there. And Corey Massasak well, earlier today had said that he was leading the team in like Corsi and everything else. And he was also up against the hardest forward line, the best forward line of Nashville. So the Vlasic of old at least showed up for those last two games where he was shutting down the top forward lines, doing a great job. And the team was actually better on the ice. When he was on the ice, the team, the Sharks were playing better than when he wasn't on the ice. So there you go. There's some stats to back up what I was thinking. (laughs) I sounded pretty sick there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'll take that as a win. win. Yeah, that's a win. 
I thought it was, I thought you think about last season, how much of a punching bag was Mark Edward Vlasic by the fans compared to this year? I don't feel like there was as much. I mean, there's always some, but not nearly as much as before. You would hear after every game how Mark Edward Vlasic needs to be traded, but can't because he's untradeable. And this season, honestly, you said there's not much there's, I mean, that there's a little bit here and there. I don't remember hearing a peep, to be honest with you. I don't remember hearing um, from fans that he was just terrible. Uh, he needs to be traded. He needs to retire. He needs to be bought out. He needs that. Nah, 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 nah. I don't remember hearing any of that this season, right? Now, maybe a lot of that has to do with most of what was being talked about was, Eric Carlson's, um, you know, amazing season. And most of what was, being, what was being talked about was how Timo Meyer was about to get traded. And then he did, right. Maybe that was why I kind of overshadowed, but I don't remember um, seeing much of anything in the way of Mark Edward Vlasic is terrible. Um, so yeah, absolutely happy to have gotten that one. Right. Um, and again, you know, you know, you never want a guy to not play well. You never want to wish poorly on someone. Um, and this is one of those guys that, you know, I, I always wanted him to have that bounce back. He hadn't been himself for a long time. I think under Bob Bugner, he was in the doghouse. And, you know, Mike Greer and Coach David Quinn, uh, they do reward the hard work and the guys, they're putting the hard work in. And it, uh, it gave him kind of another breath of life. And you could see it this season. He looked much better. Uh, he had more time on ice, I'm sure, uh, than the last season. Uh, although his last game shows uh, two minutes of time on ice. Was he injured or something in the last season? He got hurt. The last yeah. game? He got hurt. It wasn't okay. even the last game. He got hurt a couple games before. Patrick Herbal okay. just said, uh, Pickles dropped below 17 minutes a game, so not a total win. Uh, incorrect. He was down to about 12 minutes the year before, so he's up to 17 minutes this season. So he got more playing time than he did last year. Um, yeah. and That just is a resurgence. Note, yeah. That's what we said. That is Scott, a Scott, you just asked for the polo shirt. We do sell the polo shirts. They're in our store. So, and uh, Super Producer Jason just put the link in there. Um, uh, And that's the last thing we want to talk about is the polo shirts. Hey, guys, thanks for a great season. (laughs) All right, on to the the topic at hand that everyone has been dying to talk about here. Yeah. Get on with it. You want to lead off here, Paul? Noah Gregor. Um, that was a preseason. Pre- we don't have a clip of this. That is a preseason prediction that I only got 10% wrong, uh, to Aaron's 70% from earlier. Okay. Let's put this into perspective here. I said nine. He got one more than that. And it looks really good because it fills up two columns for the kids in second grade doing math. Okay. That's why it looks good. Cause there's two columns. All right. You don't get off that easy, Paul. Okay. Peter St. John. <laughs> Scott says, what? Shut the front door. Um, there you go. Um, yeah. So he got, he got 10 on the season, but I want to, I want to put this into perspective real quick. Okay. He got his 10th goal on the last game. Okay. Of course, of course he gets it on the last game. Cause he watches the show and he hates me. They don't ask how, I just did. how many ask how many. Absolutely. And how many was 10. However, after 73 games, how how many was four? So he waited until the last nine games to pot six goals, one of which was a hat trick. My hat goes off to you, sir. Okay, but to he, be fair, season was beyond over to finally score those six to get him to ten. To be fair, to be fair, 
He only played 57 games. That is true. He did only play 57 games. That is true. Um, however, um, when it comes to shooting percentage, let's see if I can find this real quick because I had this up here. Uh, she says 8.4 this season. Yes, this season was 8.4. And do you have the his shooting percentage last season? 5.1. mere 5.1. And if we remember, he was down at like 2% at one point. Less, in that season. I think less than 2%. But the thing is, so, okay, let's take a look here. In 63 games played last season, it's only six games more, he had 156 shots on goal, right? Wow. And this season, 119. In only six more games, he had uh, far less shots on goal. So yeah. I guess what we could say is his shot volume went down, but the shot quality maybe increased. And that's He's- why it jumps from 5.1 to 8.4 which by the way prior to that season that horrendous season last year uh he played 30 games with the sharks in 2020 2021 uh and scored a mere five goals but that was also on 60 shots for an 8.3 shooting percentage so that appears to be closer to where he ought to be if you're talking about market corrections 5.1 seemed pretty far off um even for noah gregor but um, yeah, so he's again eight point four shooting percentage. What he ended the season with, again, waiting until those last nine games to get those six goals. Waiting until it doesn't matter anymore. Now, can you imagine if Noah Gregor decided to pop one of those goals here and there in one of those thirty-three games that we were talking about earlier? Maybe some of those twenty wins would get just a little bit closer. You know? Oh boy, there's the jersey he wants. <laughs> there it is. That is. The jersey that was purchased and is on oh, its way. Oh, it's, it's a done deal, is it? It's a done deal. Tell you what, if it gets to me in time, I'll wear it for the uh, the next show that we do. That's uh, the Graham episode, is it not? I will not be here, yes. Perfect. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be, I will be there in spirit with the jersey. <laughs> of the forwards, only Lindblom, Zetterland, Janssen, and VL were worse when it comes to shooting percentage. Okay. Of those four, only Lindblom even scored. The rest of them had 22, uh, 22 games, uh, 11 and four games respectively between Zetterland, Janssen, and VL. VL only four games. Of course, he's not going to score. I don't so, understand why you're talking so much smack about the jersey you're going to be wearing next season. I'm just saying, I'm putting this into perspective for people. That's all I'm doing. Okay. Uh, everyone else on the team had a higher shooting percentage apart from those four players, three of which didn't score a goal and they have to have 0% because of that. So we're going to, we're going to take a whole photo shoot with that thing on maybe in front of the arena or something. It's just going to be I'm great. I'm going to get it signed. Oh, maybe we'll get it signed. it signed. That'd be awesome. Yeah, no, for Jake, sure. I'm no, I'm your biggest fan. He's going to look at you and go, Paul, I know you're so full of it. If he can sign it and it says, uh, to my number one fan, that would, I'll I will try. I will do my best. I don't mind taking my jabs, Aaron. I'll take my. Oh, uh, and the last point that I have about this whole Noah Gregor thing is that I regret nothing. Okay, I regret nothing. Let's 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 understand the bet and and what happened here. I lost a bet by one goal, and my punishment is that Aaron is buying me a jersey. <laughs> There's cool. <laughs> That you have to wear. I'm not Actually, just buying it. Been a much bigger deal. You have to wear it. I'm not just buying it. 
You're if wearing it. He scored the hat trick. I'd have to wear it to every home game. That's what you said. Yeah, whatever. That's fine. <laughs> you still got to wear the dang thing. Um. Anyway, let's get into. Uh, this is getting long with it here. We got a couple of charts here. This is uh, our next show will be for the actual lottery, and that's going to be in a month, I believe, roughly about three, four weeks from now. I will not be here. I will be out of the country for a wedding. So Graham will be uh, will be slipping in for my spot here with Paul. Um, and I want to give a quick shout out to Graham because he won the fantasy hockey league for the Fin Factor. In fact, here's the trophy. I'm going to engrave his name up here somewhere, somewhere over there. I don't know. So, uh, so Graham is going to be the inaugural winner of the fantasy hockey fin factor fantasy hockey league um and just a quick note if you are a fantasy player whoops it's a keeper league and there are two teams that will probably be dropped i did not drop the did trophy, you just the break it no no you know you know what just fell my joe thornton little stick oh, okay. or a figure he okay. just fell off a little thing right next to it you said something uh, about people being dropped and i thought you meant the cup that you just dropped no, no, no. There's there's two players that will be dropped next season, so I'll have two spots open if you are interested in a keeper league. It's only a $50 buy-in, and if you win, your name goes on the trophy, and that trophy will be in the background of our new set. So um, it will always be on the show at, starting next season. Anyway, um, going into the lottery... Before we get there, real quick, real quick. Scott just said he literally just placed his order for a polo. Oh, beautiful. So Thanks I just want to I want to call that out and say thank you, Scott, for uh, supporting the show. Appreciate that. Again, if you guys want to check out the polos, they're on the finfactor.com. Um, support the show link, I believe, is what it is. All the products are there. So uh, if you'd like to get the polo uh, as well, uh, feel free. There you go. Excellent. Um, okay, going into the lottery. Yeah. We have a chart here. This is... This is from Angel Stats. This shows you the percentages that the Sharks have to getting the first overall pick, 9.5%. Um, since they are fourth, they ended up fourth worst in the league. Um, only a 2% difference between them and Chicago, and people are pretty upset about that. I'm like, whatever. 2% more odds. Blah. Was that a couple more balls in the thing? Anyway, what's interesting to me is the next chart that I have here, and this is the draft lottery odds of where the pick will actually fall so they have a obviously a nine and a half percent chance of picking first and then i actually can't even read that because it's so small on my screen um but there i made it bigger 9.8 percent of getting second overall and then they can't get third they won't be able to jump up third uh 15 chance that they get their actual fourth pick and that is because there's so many odds that somebody will win a ball. Basically, if only if Columbus, Chicago, and Anaheim win the lottery, they would keep their pick. If anyone else wins the lottery, they're going to lose it, and they're going to get pushed back to fifth and or sixth. Uh, so 44.9% for fifth, 20.5% for sixth. So, yeah, it does not look great for the Sharks to get a top two pick, and even their own fourth pick is not looking so great so uh yeah more than uh 50 50 odds that they're going to be picking fifth or sixth overall here which kind of sucks because the player you know they drop off at that point you know like the the quality but 
What I'm interested in is seeing what the other teams do because there's that one player from Russia that is signed in the KHL for three seasons. Maybe they don't take him and maybe he falls to the Sharks, let's say, fifth overall. Right? That would be yeah. amazing, I think. So it's kind of interesting here. So let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, the seventh team down, which is Philadelphia, they're the first team to have the highest odds of getting the pick that they are where they're slotted. Everybody else above that is slotted to get a, a worse, uh, has the highest odds of getting a worse pick than where they are. Even, even the number one, number two guys. Right. right. So it's kind of interesting that like by number seven, you're kind of like, ah, okay, now we're, we're feeling pretty comfortable that we're actually going to get seven. Right. And the guys that are behind that actually have pretty decent odds of like very good odds of getting the, that exact pick. But um, yeah, it's just kind of funny. Like seven's kind of that breaking point. Just something I just kind of noticed there anyway. Um, yeah, so the next show that we'll be doing will be uh with Graham and myself because Aaron's not going to be here, so that's going to be a fun one, I think. Um, Graham, of course, knowing lots and lots about prospects, so he'll have uh the ability to answer all of your prospect questions that I simply can't. So, um, <laughs> that'll be a good show, I think. It'll be fun for me, yeah, learn a bit here. So, there yeah, you go, exactly. Uh, um Tank hard for Bedard is off. Uh, move down for Mitch is, is a go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, cool. So, Aaron, I think we've gone uh, much farther than we need to on this. Is there anything else that you want to call out in the chat or anything you want to point people to? Nothing we're good? Yeah, I think we're good. Should uh, wrap this up. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Hey, guys, again, it's been a season wrap-up, episode number 180. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, not just tonight, but for the entire season. It's been so much fun uh, being able to chat with you guys and kind of uh, poke fun back and forth, things like the you know the Noah Gregor <laughs> jersey and whatnot. Um, it's, it's all in good fun. I'm enjoying it. I hope you guys are, too. And um, it's just been a, a tough season, but we're glad that we can uh, bring a little bit of light to it. Uh, as Aaron likes to say, there's light at the end of the tunnel, and it usually means it's a train about to hit you. So um, <laughs> I guess that's going to do it for not just this episode, but for this season. I do want to remind you guys, uh, just like one of our other guys came in here, and, and it, was, it was Scott, picked up a polisher. You guys can go and support us same way, thefinfactor.com. Check out the links uh, to go ahead and pick up any of that merchandise that we have, stickers, hats, uh, anything else. Again, uh, the season's over, but you can continue to support the show if you uh, so choose. So uh, if you do like to do that, thank you so much. You get something back in return. Awesome for you. Okay, uh, Aaron, I think that's going to do it. Uh, that's going to wrap us up again. I, I appreciate everybody in the chat. For Super Producer Jason, I'm Paul. I'm Aaron. And we will see you guys in a few weeks. In a few weeks, and it'll be me and Graham. So for the long Not me, Fred. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at The Fin Factor and on Instagram at Fin Factor. And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube. Visit our website at thefinfactor.com where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.